Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Elevate. And today, we have Coach Nick on, and we're going to kind of shoot the shit. We're going to riff with you guys. We're going to talk a little bit about how to set realistic expectations and align yourself with your goal, get out of the comparison game, and actually succeed. And then I want to talk a little bit about neuroscience and some of the impacts that that's had and the lessons that Nick's learned along the way. So Nick, let's dive in. Let's go back at it. All right. So when we're talking about someone's health and fitness journey, right. And you're having, what we do is as soon as we incline on, we're getting them on an examination call and we're looking at their lifestyle, their stress, their work, their relationships, what they eat, how much they move, all of the things, right. We do an entire lifestyle audit. And so Nick, what I want you to do is kind of explain what it is that we're really looking for when we construct a success path for an individual and how we go about solving that problem for them. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's identifying and starting where your feet at. I think a lot of times when people jump into this, you know, they they view, as we've talked about before, the mountains that are to come. And they're already like in that anxiety state of like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I have to do, you know, I have to do so many different changes. It's like, no, you need to start where you're at. And so that starts with identifying, like you said, what's your nutrition, what's your diet history like, what's your training, what's your training history? Are you new to the game? Have you been doing it for 20 years? And then, you know, the underlying thing that I think a lot of people overlook is what are your stressors? Like, do you have kids? Do you have a family? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have, you know, all these different stressors that come throughout life that people don't realize how big of an impact it plays on your overall health until all of a sudden you feel that in your freaking heart. Um, and so, you know, with identifying all those, you, like I said, you have to start where you, where you started at. And so when it comes to really building that success path, it starts with the small wins. I mean, when it comes to defining, you know, like where you're at with nutrition, training, lifestyle, um, I guess they, I forgot where we were going with this. So I think, <laughs> One of the hardest things in one of the first exercises that I have clients do is we need to acknowledge where you are and how you've gotten here. And that means we have to also take ownership over the behaviors, the self-sabotaging habits, the beliefs that we have, the narratives, the stories you tell yourself about yourself and what you are capable of achieving, the excuses that you've fallen into as to why this won't work for you, why it hasn't worked for you, or why you're just incapable or whatever excuses that you might have. And so we have to first audit the way that you think about yourself or what it is that you believe is required for you to ever achieve an ounce of success relative to where you want to be. Because a lot of people have these beliefs around, well, I have to train five days a week and I have to remove all the foods that I like and I have to X, Y, Z. I cannot go out to eat. I cannot drink. I cannot do any of these things. And so when, when we're mapping that out, what I'm also looking at is, okay, so this is where we want to go. This is your current life. These are all of the things that, again, we have to prioritize. You're not going to stop being a mom. You're not going to stop going to work, right? You're not going to stop if, you know, arguing with your husband, if you have that, you know, issue or whatever that might be, right? You're not, those things in your life aren't going to just stop. So mm-hmm. how do we set you up to be successful while also having the ability to continue to prioritize those things? 
And when I'm talking to mothers specifically, I don't see this too much with dads, but moms specifically carry a lot of mom guilt. Well, if I take an hour to work out and step away from my kids, I'm a bad mom. The problem with that story is that if you continue to put yourself last, you will be the first to go. You will not have the energy, the clarity. You won't be able to have the longevity to be able to show up, to take them to play basketball, to play with them, to teach them sports, to play with your grandkids, right? To be able to squat down and pick babies up. You know, they're heavy. Those little kids are heavy. If you've ever held a baby, like that takes some strength to do. But if you continue to put yourself last, you're never going to show up as your best. And if you're never showing up as your best, then you're never leading with the best example that you possibly could. And so it requires a level of selfishness in order for you to be selfless. And truly, if you're looking at it from the lens of showing up for people that you care about, don't you want to show up for them as the best version of you? Absolutely. And so when you can look at it from that frame, it's entirely selfless to prioritize yourself to ensure that you are being your best for the people that you care about the most. And so when we go into kind of mapping things out and systemizing them, like you said, you have to meet people where they're at. And so maybe you have no idea what what it is that you're eating. You don't know what proteins, carbs, and fats are. You've never tracked a food in your life and you don't want to follow a meal plan. Or again, I don't really believe in that because it doesn't teach you anything. But on the other side of the coin, we don't have to overhaul everything and you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And you certainly can't do everything all at once right? That's where people get overwhelmed. And anybody can follow some diet system, crazy cardio or workout plan for two, three weeks. Anybody can do that, right? We all have the capacity to do that. But the problem with that model is while you might lose five, seven pounds, maybe if you're like super restrictive and disciplined, the odds that you continue to carry that forward are are unrealistic at best um, because it doesn't suit you in your day-to-day or your lifestyle, nor are you learning anything or shifting your behaviors or your habits. And so that's why I bring them through a self-awareness exercise of like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. What are you using food for? Most women that I know, especially if you are prone to overeating at night, you tend to use that as like a numbness or coping mechanism because it feels good, right? It, you don't have to think about anything. You're not doing anything. You just eat the ice cream or cookies or Oreos or whatever it might be. And it gives you that release. And so the, the void that you are trying to fill with food has nothing to do with food. It's that you've hit a stress threshold and we don't know how to cope with it. And I also think it's important to note that we all have habits and behaviors because at one point in our life, that thing, that activity, that behavior that we engaged in was rewarding. But when it gets to a point where it's compounding so much in gravity that it's actually self-sabotaging, that's where you have to have the the awareness to go, okay, this habit served me at some point for whatever reason, maybe when you were a kid, right? That was like your escape from something. But as you're an adult and as you have people to take care of and things to show up for and your health is now compromised by that behavior or activity, you have to be able to shift that into a more productive way to cope with those emotions and work through that. And so if you're starting from ground zero and you don't know what you're doing and you don't know where to start and we audit everything, it's like, okay, well, you don't drink any water. So let's drink three bottles of water today. And so we will like, that's so stupid. And I'm like, that's not stupid. That is a behavior and a habit that we can compound. Like as soon as you're doing that, okay, let's try to move a little bit more. Maybe we walk for 10 minutes in the morning. And I haven't even touched their diet yet, but it's like, these are the habits and behaviors that if we can systemize it and gamify it for them, it also makes it fun because Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, I didn't realize I was so dehydrated. Now I feel better. I have more energy. My cognitive function is better. We haven't even touched food. And so it doesn't have to be everything all at once. And I think that's really important for people to understand is it's not about rushing to the finish line. Spoiler alert. There is no finish line. Like the goal is to play the game and be able to continue to play it forever. Mm -hmm. And when you can look at 
whether it's relationships, right? You don't get married just to say you got married and like, that's the end, right? You get married to sustain a long-term marriage, which means continuing to see your, con- continuing to pursue your partner and make those environments and experiences memorable. So you're invested in that pursuit. And so the same thing is with health and fitness. Yes, you might have a metabolic issue, or maybe you are overweight and we need to get that body fat off. That's fantastic. And you can do that. But the goal isn't just, I need to get the weight off for my wedding or a vacation or summer, or just to have whatever. And then all hell breaks loose and you go backwards. Like the goal is to continue to get better at being a little bit more healthy, a little bit more fit, right? Challenging your current upper limit to break through that and find out that you could go further than you thought that you could. And so when you can expand the time horizon to look at it in terms of decades and not days or weeks or months, there is no rush to get there. And if you're going to do it, you need to do it right. And you need to do it so that you can continue to pursue that over the long, over the long haul for the rest of your life. And there's a lot to unpack there because I, I wrote a few things down. Um, I saw that. Seven bullets. Um, Teacher Nick, go ahead. <laughs> well, the first one is, you know, coming back to the quote, I mean, if, if you can be selfish at unselfish times, then you can be selfless the rest of the day. And I think that's a lot to do with um, definitely geared towards the parents because you feel like you always have to do this, 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 and that, and that. I got to take kids to school. I got to get them lunch. Got to. But even when, you know, if the kids are at school, you still, it's in, it's that part of you that's already still in your brain. They're always thinking about like, what, what is next? Um, you know, moms and some, some of the dads that are in that type of situation, but there's that is always there, that pressure. And so when they're trying to always fill pour from an empty cup, they're wondering why they can't, you know, always push to the next gear um, to want to go to the gym, to want to change my behaviors when it comes to eating and, and trying to just, you know, work out. Well, it's because you haven't made time to fill yourself up because you have always trying to exhaust all other options when it comes to not making yourself a priority. It's not selfish. Because if you can do it at unselfish times, then you can be selfless the rest of the day. And so I think another thing you talked about is, you know, when it comes to identity, I mean, you know, you see, especially now when it's springtime, you know, there's going to be lots of challenges coming out, a lot of 30 day challenges. Okay. When you view that as your time horizon, then you are just doing what you are told from that time. But when you have why millionaires and billionaires become that level is because one, they identify with what they are going to become, they visualize it, and then they plan decades in advance. If you are just planning your nutrition and training just for 30 days, you are not changing. You are just going to be changing just slightly uh, some of the things that you're going to be doing throughout the day, but you aren't adopting a new identity because you're just going to be like, man, I can't wait, you know, until June when I can go to the beach and just smash all the pizza, white claws, and just, just totally get after it. Okay. But What's going to happen a month from that, three months from that, you're going to regain rebound and then just have to repair all this new damage that you've done. And then just going through the same cycle. Next thing you know, it's three years later and you're like, dang, I thought I, maybe it's time for another 30 day challenge. No, it's time for you to shift your identity, to view yourself and visualize who you're going to become instead of being so attached to what you are in the past. That way you fail to realize who you are in the present instead of just being and identifying and all of your actions become in alignment with Kate 2.0, the Nick 2.0. Um, you know, and I think another thing when it, when it comes to that food being comfort, I just, you know, talking to a, to a client about when they, when, you know, the day's all said and done, you know, your mind's a little tired, everything's becomes a little more exhausted. Obviously, I, I hope you're not wired when it's close to bedtime. That's, that's a different issue. Um, but when it's time to relax and you're sitting there, you know, with her spouse, but the, the habit 
in that has been adopted from the environment is just mindless snacking. They're watching their favorite show. And so all of a sudden snack, whatever the snack might be, you know, all of a sudden the snack becomes a little more high calorie. All of a sudden you are loading in just, you know, one, two, 300 per day. All of a sudden you, you multiply that by a week, you know, 200 times seven. Now it's an extra 1400 calories. I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but if you're looking for a, a reason why you might be gaining a little more weight and progress and, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of feeling sluggish at night. Well, your body's had to digest that all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're adding more calories because you're not even thinking and being aware of it, but you're just viewing it as, Oh no, that's what I do with my husband. This is what I do with my wife at night. Like, okay, well, there's other things we could be doing, but you know, that just comes with the overall arching thing when it comes to change is being aware. Yep. And it, it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage to finally just call you out on your own B- BS. To look at yourself and say, dude, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are saying that you're not eating at night, but you are stuffing your face because you are chasing that constant dopamine, like you said, because there is that void, there is that lack. So where can I fill the gap? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it food? Where's the comfort? And for you to be able to pull yourself out and be like, dude, it's time for a change. And I think and, that's really important. I, I I don't know that you have more. And I'm like, we're both got our notes. Going, so who I got knows to my the- 50th bullet. I, I have a few more. <laughs> I don't know how, where this is going to go, but okay. Um, so I think it's really important what we're saying. And I, I want you guys to really catch this is that it's not just acknowledging what the behavior is. It's acknowledging where the drive to engage in that type of behavior be- comes from right? There is some type of void, right? And you can, you can branch this out into many different arenas of your life, right? If indeed you date toxic people, right? There's some level of a void that they give you something that you don't have within yourself. And so you're looking for an external thing to fill an internal void. And so we do this with food. We do this drugs, alcohol, sex relationships, like people do this all the time. And it's because there's something internal that you're looking to seek out. But the answer to that problem typically comes also from within, but we are taught to find shiny objects in handsome men or beautiful women or whatever it is, status, all the things, right? And that's going to make you happy. That job, that position, that CEO, that that blah, 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 right? That's going to make you happy until it doesn't. And so the same, if we can zoom in now, and the same principle lies with kind of mindless eating, snacking, seeking out high dopamine activities that distract you. Maybe you scroll social media at night. Like maybe it has nothing to do with food. Maybe you just waste a bunch of fucking time not being productive by scrolling social media, and then you're frustrated and overwhelmed because you have all this shit to do. But if indeed you remove the social media because it was distracting you maybe from anxiety or maybe you have perfectionistic tendencies or maybe you just say yes too much and you actually don't have the capacity to do these things, you then set yourself up to be overwhelmed by taking the actions that would create your own overwhelm. And the same thing happens with people that overeat. If indeed you say you want to lose weight, And then at night, you engage in behaviors because you justify an emotion to act in a certain way that you know doesn't align with where you want to go, but you excuse that behavior and then you wake up frustrated. Well, you've just created that external reality because you know that in order for you to succeed in your fat loss goals, your weight loss goals, or whatever goals you might have, you have to make some level of sacrifice and there has to be some fundamental foundational changes to those things. And then you talked about visualization, which I think is really important. But I also want to point out that whether it's visualization or meditation, manifestation, whatever you want to call it, without action is delusion. I can sit here and say, I am going to be the president of the United States. Like I can sit here and say that. But if I don't go and put myself into political arenas or consume the political content or keep up to date with policies and things and all that, 
there's no way that I'm, I would ever get there. It's just a delusional thought, right? There's no action or behavior aligned with making that happen. And so on the second part of the first exercise, like I said, first, we're figuring out how you got to where you are. The second part of that is I always have clients map out who they want to become on the other side of this journey. Who do you want to become? What does she look like? How does she act? What are her boundaries? How does she show up and respect herself, right? How does she lead? What does her energy look like? How do, how would people describe her? What is she? Who is she? What does she look like? Like, Tell me every little detail about this human experience. Specific. Yeah, specifically. Because once we have that now, we've brought awareness to your problems and where you are and what's gotten us here and then where you want to go. But also, you now have a frame of reference, which is really important for people to have psychologically. So that when I'm when you're in a rut, and I do this to myself all the time, if something is happening and life just feels chaotic or overwhelming or whatever it might be, I may have the desire to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. I may have, I'm human. We all have that. But in that moment, I can pause and go, okay, but what would she do? Like the woman that I want to become, what would she do in this situation? Because even if you don't feel like taking that action or engaging in that behavior, you have clarity about what you should do and what you truly want to want to do, right? It's not that you don't have that desire and you're not aware of it. Now it comes down to what hard decision am I willing to make? Because either decision is hard. The one that you know is going to make you feel like shit and that you're going to have a lot of guilt and shame around engaging in or the one that is going to require a new level of discipline and effort to take that action because it's uncomfortable and unfamiliar. One on the other side will show you what you're capable of doing that you haven't yet done, which is evidence. And the way that we build confidence is by giving ourselves enough evidence of our capability of doing certain something or achieving a certain goal. And so you've now just proven to yourself that you can do that, right? And that's entirely rewarding, even though on the front end, the thing that prevents people the most is because that's un- uncharted territory. It's just unfamiliar. I don't know how to go to bed without eating the ice cream before I go to bed. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And so it's like, well, what if nothing happens? And then people would say, well, I didn't do the thing, but I woke up and the scale was up. So it doesn't matter. Right. And then you can justify going back to poor behavior, but that's not the point. And this is where it's, I think that in health and fitness, we overlook all of the really important things to focus on numbers and data and macros and weight. And it's like, you're missing, we need you to zoom out here and and look at the things that are actually going to compound as interest, as we would say, to a long-term version of you actually coming to fruition. Absolutely. And I think it's, what's funny about that is like, you know, as you kind of dive into deeper when it comes to fitness and nutrition, like the woo-woo stuff always pops up. And I think, you know, we talked about this last year and definitely over time, um, just about what the woo-woo means. And I think more and more not people understand, like there's a deeper connection that they want. They don't just want to lose body fat. There's always a deeper meaning why, um, you know, and really to touch base, like even just to backtrack, just on that note real quick with, um, you know, those thinking that you you are so focused on the scale, all of a sudden you're going to eat this, you know, you know, chocolate bunny since it was just Easter, that all of a sudden now you're going to, you know, the, the scale is going to be up the next day. Well, what this, this what happened the other, so like last Sunday, um, one of the clients had had said like, you know, I, I feel really, you know, I feel awful. You know, I, I ended up having two bunnies and I didn't want to have two, you know, really down on herself because she thought that she self-sabotaged all of her progress just with two bunnies, two chocolate bunnies, that's it. Turns out as the next day, the skill was down. Why is that? Is that, is that some, is, is, what's going on? Is, it, is this fake? Is the skill broken? Like, no, it's because for three, four weeks, you've been compounding those positive deposits, the investments that you're making with nutrition, with mindfulness, with training, with walking, every single thing that comes with the seven days stacked on seven days, stacked on seven days, being able to zoom out that all of a sudden 
when that happens, you're not a failure. You realize that all the investments that you're making are now trending in the right direction. So it's always about the long game, being able to zoom out. If I stared at the stock market and looked at the uh, one minute chart, I would have a heart attack if this was my full-time job to be like, oh my gosh, uh, it's turning up. Uh, I should probably tell. No, 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 buy, buy. No, no. Because when you look at you know, the daily or the monthly, oh, okay, now we're trending in the right direction. Kind of mm -hmm. like we said, when we're talking about like millionaires and billionaires, you plan in decades, all of a sudden you can give yourself some grace and understand like when that time comes, talking about, you know, visualization, does Nick 2.0, would he do this? No. Okay. Simple as that. But that comes with being specific because your brain needs specificity. Specificity. Yes. See, <laughs> my, my words are coming back to me. It needs numerical value. It needs to know exactly what it is you want. That's that reticular activating system in your brain. So when you're like, okay, I want to buy a new house, all of a sudden you see all these for sale signs. You start seeing all these houses that are out. You want to look for a red car, you start seeing red cars because you are specifically looking for it. So when it comes to saying like, and writing down everything that you want to become, everything that you say that you are going to become, I, I want to lose 15 pounds by you know the summer. I want to you know, marry the, you know, whatever it is that might be that exactly you want to be a millionaire by 2025, you want to own four rental properties by 2023, all those things, your brain will now has a roadmap and a framework to work on so that when it comes to that time of a yes and no, it knows exactly what it needs to be. There's no mental fatigue of that push and pull. All of a sudden you can say, yes, this is exactly what I need to do or nope. It's not alignment with who I am and who I'm going to become because you are now living in the future instead of tied down by the ropes of the past. And I think that is the huge difference when it comes to success in the long term. And what, this isn't just fitness, this is life in general, because we don't just train clients for you know six months, a year. We're training for life, giving them the tools, the resources, the skills that they need, and not just handing over a paper and say, do this because I said so. And we'll talk it's to you next week. Yeah, it's connecting each and every day, it's understanding the individual and it's showing them that your success is not based off of a, a bunny here or there. It's what we're doing long-term to make you a good human. So I think there's there's so many nuggets in that. Like, this is just how we talk. Um, so I the first thing that I want to say is that we have to focus on not taking instant feedback as an entire association with something. For like Like you said about your client on Easter, it's like, even regardless of the fact that she had an Easter bunny or two or whatever might've happened that day, she saw progress, but the inherent up or down trend was not relative directly to that endeavor. It was all of the prior work that she had done to that point. And so if you can stop looking at the feedback that you get on a daily basis, as if the immediate action before caused the immediate action after, right? Reaction afterwards, right? Then you can start to open up your perspective lens and go, okay, well, I'm on track 90% of the time. And then 10% of the time, I enjoy myself. That is a sustainable model. Maybe even 80-20, depending on where you are and where you're starting. But it's the fact that it does indeed compound like an investment. Whereas if I put a dollar in and I expect to get $10 out my first try, it's like, it doesn't, especially in the stock market, it's not going to happen. But if I put a dollar in every day and I let it sit there for the next decade, I can only imagine that I will reap some type of reward and return on that investment. And so if you can zoom out on trying to make it a action and reaction, action, reaction, action, reaction. I hit my macros for a day and my weight's supposed to be down and it's not down. It's like, it's not that simple. It's genuinely not that simple. And then you talked about saying no to things, which I think is one of the most important things. And I actually have a sticky note right here because as you grow in your 
arena of success and whatever it is that you're doing. Obviously, like I, I use this frame and I got it from Alex Hormozzi. He talks about the girl in the red dress. And it's like, the more that you continue to be successful in something, the more opportunities you have that are like shiny, right? So they're shiny objects. And so you have to know what it is first that you're where you're going. So you can aim, you can orient yourself in the right direction to travel in that, right? Then you can, you can aim at something because if you have no goal, nothing that you're working towards, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go because you're not aiming at anything, right? So like you said, you need to have some type of goal, but then with that goal, you have to also recognize what it is that you're going to suck at or what is going to suffer. And this is a really important mental model that helped me because when I first decided I'm building this fucking business and I was investing in it, I had to also go, okay, well, there's no possible way that I, as a human being who has limits, just like everyone else can do this balance thing, which is why I don't believe in balance. And I get a lot of kickback for that, but I genuinely don't. I think it sets an unrealistic expectation for us to be able to manage and excel in multiple arenas all at once. Given that we only have so much energy, it's physically impossible. And while you could do mediocre work at best across the board, if you really want to excel in something, then you need to put most of your resources into accomplishing that thing, which means you have to learn where to say no. And so for me, I actually just pulled up one of my sticky notes, but whenever I'm presented with an opportunity, I have a list of questions that I ask myself before I say yes or no. Does this allow us to impact more people? Does this improve our, our client experience? Does this make me better? And does this make my team better? If the answer is no to any of those questions, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it, regardless of how shiny the object is, no matter what it might do in a certain aspect of my life. If it's not doing those things right now, because this is the priority of my life, then I'm saying no. And so I think it's really important. Like you said, you have to figure out like what it is you need to say no to, what it is that you're going to commit to and what it is that you are not willing to engage in because it's going to derail where you actually want to go. And so that's when it comes to making choices and decisions and aligning yourself with a goal. You also have to ask yourself, what is the potential downside? What are the potential costs? What are the trade-offs of this pursuit? And can I accept that those things might happen? If you can, then you now have a true purpose and a true mission that is meaningful enough to you because all of the downsides don't impact you and your own integrity or thoughts of self. And I think that when it comes down to a lot of health and fitness pursuits, and this is going to sound harsh to a lot of people, but I had to say this to a client yesterday, you engage in this type of behavior because at the end of the day, you do not respect yourself. And if you do not respect yourself, I can only imagine how you let other people treat you, what this means for your means of employment. Do you ever advocate for yourself? Do you set boundaries there? The types of people that you engage with, your friend groups, your relationships, right? Maybe your in-laws or your husband or whoever. It's like, if you can't even respect yourself enough to set a boundary and say, no, I'm not doing this. This is not good for me. I'm not going to tolerate that type of behavior. And you are the one that's controlling it. I can only imagine the trickle over effect of, of what type of chaos that's also giving permission to in your external reality, within your relationships, workspaces, and other pursuits of your life. And so if nothing else, have enough self-respect to say, I'm not going to emotionally eat until I'm numb because that's not healthy. I deserve better than that. And I can give myself better than that. Again, it comes down to that void, that internal void. It's like, do you engage in these behaviors because you don't believe you're worthy of something? And if you don't believe you're worthy of something, then you need to prove to yourself that you are. And the one person that can give you respect above anybody else is you. But if you aren't willing to take that on and, and take your power back and control the outcome of what happens next, then you're choosing to be a victim and let people walk all over you, which will inevitably occur Again, under a fucking magnifying glass, if I could zoom in on people's lives that are triggered by what I just said, I can guarantee that those things are happening and you're turning a blind eye to it or blindly accepting it because you do not believe that you deserve better than you're currently experiencing. Yeah, I think when it comes to self-talk and self-respect, it's like 
you can always give so much love and kindness and, and just encouraging, you know, words and, and phrases to each and every one. But when it comes to talking to yourself, what are you saying? Like, are you really drilling yourself into a ground to a pulp? Like, at what point do you realize that, like, that's not helping? That's actually causing a physiological effect of you continuing to, to put yourself down in the ground and bury yourself because that self, that lack of self-trust, that lack of self-confidence, that lack of self-esteem is ultimately going to, like you said, spew out into each and every area of your life so that when it comes time to say no, because you don't want to go out again and it's Sunday and it's like, I didn't want, I didn't even want to go out on Saturday. And I told my coach, like, I'm trying to really stop drinking, but all of a sudden I'm surrounded by these negative influences that I still haven't disassociated myself from. And all of a sudden I'm going to go through with it because I don't have enough self-respect to be confident to say no. The most powerful word, you, when you say no, you don't have to explain. And then people start to understand. All of a sudden you build those reps in inside of yourself saying no, that people aren't going to always pull and tug and ask. And if they do, you just say no. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Um, and one of the bigger things is, is the delayed gratification when it comes to playing any game, when it comes to you know re building relationships, finances, shocker, health and fitness, being able to say I am not going to have my sixth slice of pizza because I am going to just enjoy two, knowing that I can still make progress because it's still playing the long game. I'm not going to, I'm going to say no to going out on a Wednesday, even though my homies want to go watch the Cavs in the playoffs. I want to stay home. I want to get enough quality rest so that tomorrow morning I can have a great workout and set the tone for the day because I said I was committed to my fitness goals. I said I was committed to business i said i was committed to my family making sure i have energy and that i'm filling up my cup at the selfish times so that i can be selfless the rest of the day um yeah and i i i just don't with with the victim mindset i just i feel like more people are seeking out problems to just to create not enough people have been through enough hell they just create all these little things that and say oh this is about me it's a victim this is why i can't get to where i need to go when in reality they haven't been through anything to really have build that the, the calluses and that resiliency to get to another level otherwise you wouldn't have to tell somebody that you were a victim you're just living it that's the big difference when you are able to shift out of that and say you know i i, I was just listening to dr benjamin hardy and he's like talking about you know these two questions you when when talking about why you're trying to get through a trauma it's like okay can i help somebody that's going through the same thing by sharing my message and how can i how can this uh situation that i'm in become stronger because make me stronger you know what is the message that i'm getting from this and i think about you know all, my whole time through my you know three and a half year recovery from my my brain injury it's like the reason I wanted to share is because I knew there was a small portion of the population that understood where I was at and what I was going through. And, but I was so committed to getting my life back because I, I was turned on by doctors and my, my conditions were permanent said that, you know, you just basically phone it in, like you're done. And so it's like, if I wasn't willing to commit to myself, commit to anybody that was listening, um, and just try and share some type of strength or some message and, and just be able to impact one person because, you know, my, my platform went from, you know, fat loss and funny stuff to all of a sudden, like, and, and looking back, like it was a lot darker, a lot brain health because uh, just where I was at Physi physically, I was, I was, I was a wreck and I didn't know what the hell I was doing to get out of it, but I wasn't playing victim. I was searching and seeking and trying to become better, whatever it was at the time. And so it's like, that comes with that self-respect self and when you when you're in that valley all of a sudden you are built 
with the calluses. You are built and all of a sudden you have this self-respect, self-confidence that will glow and nobody needs to tell you because you already know, you know exactly who the hell you are. Exactly. And I think that there's obviously a lot that you said, but the first point that I want to make is circling back to the victim mindset thing. It's like, unless you've really, and I would encourage everyone to do this, like, and not like necessarily willingly, but like lean into the hard shit of your life. Like, this is what hard feels like. I tell myself that now, I mean, some days on a daily basis, it feels like every day is fucking hard. And I'm like, this is where most people would quit. This is what heart feels like. And this is going to build my fucking character and give me lessons and wisdom that I didn't previously had. And so when I look back on my life, and I'm sure you feel this way about your experience as well, and some of the darkest periods of my life, I'm entirely grateful for. And until you've gone through some really twisted, dark shit and come on the other side of that, a better human being, because you had enough self-respect and enough fight in you to say, I don't know why the fuck I'm here. I don't know what the purpose of this is, but I'm going to show up with some grit and tenacity and fight my way through this because it has to end. This storm has to end. It will inevitably end. And I know that because time is the one thing I can't control and it will continue to take forward regardless of how I feel about it, I have the opportunity to do something that will make me inevitably better on the other side of this. And if you continue to look at life that way, every day you have the power to make a decision, but you also have the power to play a victim. And if you want to lean into that, then you cannot be disappointed with the outcome of your life because you've chosen it by design to be that way. And so you have to take accountability for where you are, regardless of all the things. And that's not me saying that people don't do shitty things and that there may not be external pressures that that are cultivating some of the behaviors or habits or thoughts that you have about yourself, right? I was in an abusive relationship for a long time. And I tell people this all the time. When you're told that you are a piece of shit over a long enough time horizon, you start to believe through conditioning that you are a piece of shit, for example. And so this is why I don't necessarily believe in affirmations, but you have to improve your self-talk. And if affirmations help you improve your self-talk and you are aligned with actions on the other side of those affirmations, that will start to give you the confidence because you have evidence that you are actually associated with that type of label or identity. Right now we're integrating things that will make the picture come to fruition, but you can't just yell affirmations in the mirror every day and expect things to change, right? Like I said, visualization or manifestation without action is quite delusional. And then when indeed you are going through something hard and it is something as a consequence of external pressures or people, society, whatever, you also have to get to a level of acceptance because if you continue to fight your reality, it's just because you don't like it, but that doesn't change that that's actually concretely reality right now. And so if you can step into arena of going, uh, this sucks, I hate this, I'm frustrated by it, it makes me anxious, I'm quite sad about it, you can feel all the things and I'm never going to dismiss somebody's feelings, but taking action out of an emotional state never leads to something that is rewarding, never. I've never seen it happen. 99% of the time that shit backfires or in hindsight, you feel terrible because it wasn't a good behavior to engage in. But once you get to a level of acceptance and you're like, okay, this is a dumpster fire that I find myself in right now. I'm not even sure which way to look or how to turn or, or what next step to take, but I do know that there's something that I can do that will make this a little bit easier to navigate, right? Not that it's easy, just even if the answer is simple, that doesn't mean it's easy, but there's something that you can do to move forward and try to manage yourself so that on the other side of the storm in which you currently walk, you are a better person. You've learned something, you have further wisdom, skill set, knowledge, whatever that might be. But you cannot play victim and then blame and then engage in self sabotaging behaviors and then say it's everyone else's fault. It's mm -hmm. not, that's just not reality. That's not true. And so every single person, one of my biggest pet peeves, especially right now, 
I'm going to try not I can, to get, I can see it. <laughs> I'm going to try not to get political, but like we we are in an arena where we are so fucking privileged, we want to fight about things that don't fucking really matter at the end of the day, right? On a, on a huge societal level. And one of the things that I see specifically in the realm of health and wellness is that we want to band-aid every negative emotion. The problem with that is you have to experience the negative to know that there is a positive. Like that is life. Some days it's sunny, some days it fucking storms. Are we going to sit here and try to change the weather system so it's sunny every day? Like that's just, that's not reality, right? And so again, going back to acceptance, you are going to be tired. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be PMSing. You're going to be fighting with your ex. You're going to be ripping your hair out. Your boss is going to be a dick. You're going to be underslept. You're going to feel like you need more caffeine. You're not going to feel like training. You're not going to want to meal prep your food. You're going to want to eat out. You're probably going to want to have a drink on Friday. And guess what? That's normal. It's fine. You're not broken. Like it's, it's literally life. And so you go, okay, well, if all of these components are elements of the human experience, then which ones do I want to utilize as a fuel source to propel me forward in a direction that I find meaningful for myself? Mm-hmm. And like, that is the question that you need to ask yourself because whether you feel joy or you feel pain or you feel happiness or sadness or anxiety, depression, like fulfillment, whatever, awe, like all of those emotions are, are going to happen to you and they're beautiful, even the worst ones. Like I said, I look back on points in my life and I'm like, wow, I was literally a broken sh- shell of myself, but I came out on the other side of that and I learned a lot through it. And so I'm entirely grateful for it, even though it could have gone catastrophically worse than it did. It didn't for whatever purpose. And I do believe life happens on purpose, but you have to stop trying to avoid the negative. You just have to accept it. And then you have to go, okay, well, I'm underslept. The weather's shitty. My car broke down. What am I going to do? What can I do? What can I control? And what can make this a little bit better? doesn't mean it's going to have to be great. We don't have to protect, again, you don't need to be delusional about your reality, but you can go, okay, well, this is not ideal, (laughs) but there has to be something that I can do. And like, this is why we don't, again, while we're talking about discipline and holding yourself accountable and respecting yourself, that doesn't, again, mean neurotically mapping out every tactical little data point you need to check off in order to be successful in fitness. It's literally, I can take a 10 minute walk today after I'm completely sedentary most of the time. And I never used to walk before. Now it's a routine. I can drink a little bit more water. I'm going to add one more water bottle today. That's a good decision. Usually I stop at the coffee shop and I grab a donut and a coffee for breakfast, but today I made a smoothie and I'm on my way to the office with my water bottle. That is huge. That is a massive behavioral change that will carry forward and compound significantly more than I hit my macros perfectly for three days. Like that's not telling you anything about your identity nor your behavior mm-hmm. aligning in any any arena. It's telling me that you can follow a cookie cutter mapped out plan and check some boxes and that you know how to do math. Yeah. That's what it tells you. Nothing more. Yeah. You will never change your life until you change something you do daily. And that's the thing. You have to start with change. And even thinking about, you know, I, I know I share lots of Kobe stuff um, and I know you love him to death. And so, you know, it's, you know, bittersweet, always seeing the quotes and things that he said over time. And it's like, he talks about his own self-doubt. It happens. It is human. All these people that you look at as these superhumans, they have the same feelings you do. They are human, believe it or not. I know it sounds crazy, but they do hard things. They do the hard shit. So there's a reason why, you know, I'm telling my four-year-old and two-year-old, like, it's okay. You can do hard things instead of coddling them and, and allowing them to just, you know, be afraid of everything. It's like, Oh, be careful. No, you can do hard things so that all of a sudden that's instilled inside of their nervous system. And so next time when they are approached with a challenge internally, if that repetition is played, I can do hard things. 
And so like when it comes to, you know, the health and fitness of people like, oh, you know, ice baths, you know, there's a bunch of coaches trying to pull up, you know, oh, it's awful for fat loss. Like, don't do it. It's stupid. Okay. Okay. We get it. Okay. You, you want to pull us out, but it's doing something hard. Some people don't do it because they think like they're going to get shredded in 30 days because they're jumping in the, in the ice tub for one to three minutes. And I know Andrew Huberman gets a lot of like rap from like some of the nutrition coaches. I'm like a lot of these people, you know, not, not saying, but just from a view, like they haven't been through hard stuff so that they, they couldn't imagine why would they do something, something like this? This does, this doesn't make sense. Some people want to do the hard stuff in the morning so that Throughout the day, they become more resilient. They said, oh, man, I checked that off. I worked out. I jumped in the ice bath. And now I'm able to have that frame of mind of like, I can do hard things when I'm approached with something that feels unmovable. And that's the difference of being able to have that tool in your back pocket to say, when life gets hard, I'm tougher. I am more resilient. I've been through things that suck. And I know that I am so much stronger because I can look back at my past and lessons aren't failures until lessons are learned. So if you are able to learn from your past instead of be that victim and tied down to your past, now in the present, you are much more controlled and have much more tools and resources to know like, okay, I did that next time. Now I know with the, vi the vision that I've shaped for my future because I put it down on a piece of paper, I know what the hell I'm about, that I can now visualize that, learn from the mistakes, let them be lessened, and now I can transition into a totally different path instead of being tied down by the past. And so that's why you have to put yourself in those high pressure situations. You have to like physically put yourself into a, a, a situation that's tough, whether you like it or not. Your brain is always going to keep you safe. Anything in the unknown is scary. Duh. When you're sitting there as a kid and you see shadows and all of a sudden, you know, your parents aren't there anymore and you're in a room like, yeah, it's scary. It's unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. Like you see stuff on TV, all of a sudden that's what your thing is going to happen. But being able to step into the unknown, that's your opportunity to grow and grow in a level that you never thought was possible. But once you get to that next level, you can just keep going because you look back and you climbed 50,000 steps, but you think like, oh, I, I didn't realize I came this far, but you have so much farther to go. But you have to acknowledge that I can do hard things. I, I will do hard things. And now just building that resilience day in and day out. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, and I think this is one of the most important delineations, which I think that we can take from this point that you made, which is showing up and choosing to do hard things. Now, a lot in the fitness industry, we'll see people like say that, you know, you're lazy or you have excuses or whatever that might be. And most of the time we talk about health and fitness, the majority of the population talks about people that need to eat less and move more. Most people. But I think that when it comes down to choosing your hard I always ask people one, like, what are, what are the things you're actually afraid to confront in your life when it comes to your health and fitness? And this is a perplexing question for most people because they've never been asked. They're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, okay, well, we need to find clarity on what that is because we cannot overcome a fear until we, if we refuse to acknowledge that it exists. Right. So we have to bring that to the forefront of the mind to go, okay, these are actually my fears on what I'm capable of, what I'm afraid to eat, what type of exercise or going to the gym, whatever that might be. And then I go, okay, well, what is one of these fears that we're willing to confront head on right now? What is one of them, right? Maybe it's meal prepping breakfast because I don't want to be weird and take my Tupperware to work. I don't want to be judged. I'm afraid of being judged. Okay, great. That's low enough levels of resistance where I can say, okay, cool. I want you to make a smoothie in the morning and I want you to take that in your cup to work with you, right? And it's not a container, but it's something that she's prepared that is food that that now she's taking to work, right? And And then she can go, okay, nobody said anything and they actually wanted to know what I made my smoothie with and what ingredients I made. And the next day she brings in overnight oats and everyone's like, oh, that's delicious. So I think that we make up again, and, and this is 
the animal brain trying to protect you from any pain is we try to map out the potential consequences or lashback that we might receive when we, when we change our behaviors and then put it into an environment of people that we don't know will accept said behavior. And so you have to be able to go, okay, well, what is one hard thing that I'm willing to do today? What is one fear that I'm willing to confront? And then you can push past that and break through that fear and realize that you had nothing to be worried about the entire time. And then you are a little bit more confident. So then we go, okay, well, let's go to fear number two this week. And, and maybe that's going to the gym. I, I'm, I don't want to be judged going to the gym. I, I've worked out at home. I've done beach body exercises and I, I just don't want to be judged. Okay, cool. All I want you to do is bring your tennis shoes and I want you to go to the gym. And as soon as you walk in, I want you to go to the locker room and put your sneakers on. And if you go to the locker room and you put your sneakers on and you still feel so much anxiety or somebody says something to you and that causes you to want to leave, you can leave. And then they show up to the gym and they go to their locker room and they check in and they put their sneakers on. And every single time they either do cardio or they work out. But it's the fear of what will happen if I walk in that room and people are staring at me and then they're mean to me and they're judging me because I don't know, right? I don't know. And they feel uncomfortable. It's a new environment where there's a certain expectation now of behavior and you don't know that you will live up to that expectation of behavior. And so you feel somehow inherently inadequate. But the point being that for someone, maybe it is learning some meal prep or going to the gym. And for somebody else, it might be saying yes to a piece of birthday cake or going on a date where you don't know the macros on the meal or drinking a glass of wine and realizing that the one cookie that you had on Christmas Eve with your parents was not going to be the catastrophic nuclear bomb that blew up your health and fitness, right? So everyone has a different level of fears and a different pursuit of hard. And so we have to go, what is the smallest fear that you have that we're willing to face head on today or this week or tomorrow or today that we can go through together, that we can walk through knowing that you have full support from me to make sure that you're going to be okay on the other side of it, right? Because we know because we've done it a million times, but they don't know. And so it's it's meeting them where they are and understanding what the fears are, what, what hard thing are they willing to confront head on and how do we support them through that? But the more that you're willing to face the fears and find out what's on the other side of facing them, the more confidence you you begin to embody because you've seen yourself do something that you were previously terrified to face. And you also learned that all of the potential outcomes that you were afraid of happening, most of the time don't ever happen at all. And then you are more willing to confront the bigger demon in the back of the closet. That's like, fuck, that's the thing. That is the big fear, right? But you have to start small and stack up these wins and then go, okay, no matter what the fuck shows up at the back of the closet with its ugly fucking fangs and hair, I have confidence in my ability to navigate that shit regardless of what happens. And like that for me has literally been the snowball story of my life. It's like, now I'm at a place where I can fly out of the country. I can go wherever by myself. And most people will be like, Kate, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I'm like, I don't know, but I trust myself enough to know that I will figure it out like genuinely. And, and that's not arrogance. It's just, I've had to be entirely resourceful and gone through a lot of hard things. And so it's like, and I've also done a, the majority of it on my own. And so it's like, when you have that level of independence and then you've done enough hard things and you've overcome a lot of challenges that many people never face, it's like, well, if you've got another, you know, plot twist to throw at me, God, like I know it's for a reason and I will, I will overcome that thing. Right. But I didn't start there for sure. This is years of compounding efforts and, and facing fears and being okay with failing and not looking at it as an identifying factor of myself, but a pursuit that I came up short in and that I can learn from to get better at if I continue to engage with that thing. That's all that life is. But you you have to first meet yourself where you're at, set really realistic expectations, be willing to do the hard things, and then reflect enough so that your head's not down in the trenches too long where you miss the point you needed to pivot. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I had to say about that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, in that last part, it, it really comes with building that environment of people that are trusted with you. They will push you, but also keep it real with you. Because when mm. you are down in the trenches, all of a sudden, if people are down in the trenches with you, and now these are the comfortable trenches, they aren't the trenches to build resilient, strong individuals. These are people that are coddling, give you a nice little blankie, little warm apple juice, little, little sip, sip. All of a sudden, mm. you can't view life as a different lens because you're constantly being told that you can't be able to do something. No, you shouldn't do this. All the little what if, what if coulda, shoulda, wouldas, like those are all stories. Like when you were about to go speak on stage, how long before that were you like pretty scared? Like, okay, like what if I go up there and maybe I put my pants? Like what happens if I pee? Like who, who knows? All these different scenarios that you begin to run through your head and then you start speaking and then you start to realize like you remember who the hell you are and then what happens? What happened? So I I actually have a framework and I need to do a podcast on this because I've been asked by a million people, but I have six really important things that have helped me kind of elevate my levels of self-confidence. And one of them, and probably the most powerful that I use before every speech, before every podcast, before every sales call, before every anything that I do where I feel a little bit of anxiety and anxiety, I don't feel as a negative, right? Because anxiety is excitement without breath. So I remind myself to breathe. And then I, I remind myself that I feel this way because I care. I care about what the audience is going to think. I care about the value that I can provide. I, I care about the connection that I'm able to build about the solution that I can provide. Like I care so much about serving people. And back before I, I knew who I was, we talked about this on the last podcast where I, I kind of lost my sense of self and my identity. And so I, I, I was kind of a human floating in space and was like, who am I? Right. And when I was in that space, it was easy for me to identify myself and my self-worth based on what they would think. Right. But now I, I know that I'm showing up and I care so much what they think, but regardless of whether it lands the way that I want it to or anticipated it to, it does not define my own internal self-worth. And so before I walk out on stage, before I do podcasts, before I do any of that stuff, I always tell myself, be brave for 20 seconds. All you need is 20 seconds. And for me, it's like, check your breath, deep breath, and then just let it like, and I'll, this is like, you guys are going to think I'm nuts. I don't prepare for any of the speeches that I give. I don't. And I enjoy that part about it. It's thrilling for me. Of course, I have like bullet points and topics and I've rehearsed it a million times in my head. But there's a lot of things that if I were to prepare a written speech and and script things that would not be authentic to me, I riff a lot and I have a lot of thoughts in real time that I I like to experiment with out loud, right? That's, That's my favorite thing about podcasting is I can sort through my own thoughts and see if we can find a middle ground and meaning and then expand on that idea. And so... For me, after 20 seconds, you're in a groove. It's the the first 20 seconds are the hardest, right? Whether it's getting out of your car and opening the door to walk into a gym with a bunch of people that you don't know, and you're walking down that aisle and you're like, fuck, I want to turn on, I want to leave. But it's like, if you just get to the locker room, it's been about 20 seconds and now we've got your shoes on and you're ready to go, right? Before I give a speech in an audience and I'm like, oh, fuck, I really don't fuck this up, Kate. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't blow it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I just tell myself like, be brave, 20 seconds, that's all you need. And I said that in my speech. But I genuinely believe that like that has helped me so much with just going, I don't have to fuck around forever. I don't have to stay here till the end. I'm not required to do any X, Y, or Z, but just do your best. Give yourself an opportunity for the next 20 seconds and see what fuck around and find out, see what happens. And most of the time the anxieties come down, the adrenaline rushes started to come down and now you're into a groove and you realize it's not as scary or overwhelming as you thought it was going to be. 
And more people would rather not put themselves in the situation than actually go to it and risk failing and then not being able to learn from anything. So they just say, nope, I'm just gonna watch somebody else do it. I'll watch somebody else live my dreams and let somebody else lose the weight because you know I'm still not ready for it. And as you said before, ready is a lie. Nobody's ever ready to do anything. You have to decide, commit, and then take the action in alignment with what the hell you wanna do and who you wanna become. And so kind of... <laughs> talking about speech it's like you know you even thinking back like some of the times when I was really nervous like playing college football when no matter how confident I was no matter how good I felt that first play when the when it goes I, I can't feel my legs but all of a sudden like the next play you hit somebody like oh here we go I, you've done this before you put in the reps all of a sudden you get reminded like oh I'm, I'm me like end of the day when you start your speech all of a sudden you know you might feel a little frog in your throat might feel a little dry then you hit a group. You don't even remember being nervous. All of a sudden, it seems like a joke. And so, you know, like I said before, like the brain doesn't know when you say anxiety or you feel excited. So what I've told Brody since he was five, you know, when you're going up to play a sport, like it's okay to be anxious. It's just excitement. You So turn those nerves into excitement and just tell yourself you're excited. You're allowed to care. Caring is, it's important. If you weren't anxious to go up there, I'd say, dude, you, do, you don't give a shit about it. You anything. probably shouldn't be here, bro. That's, that's a big difference. So- <laughs> If it's, if it's anxious, I know Mel Robbins said the same thing, like saying, like, I'm just excited to go speak in front of thousands because I'm excited to share my message. I'm going to be so enthusiastic and I'm going to give the best value that I have. And I'm just going to give because it's, it's another selfless act. And so, but before that, it was the selfish work of being able to be like, I need to know what I can do to provide to give back. And that's the same way when it comes to, you know, especially with a lot of the parents, like you have to take time to be selfish so that you can pour from all these different cups to be emotionally strong, to be physically strong, to be mentally strong, all those different areas that you have the ability to, that you don't understand that you can do right now, that you just need a little guidance, a little, you know, sometimes it takes a little coach to help pour your cup with you, take your hand here, I'll, I'll come with you, I'll come pour it for you. But at the end of the day, it, we're just there to guide and show you that it can be done. You just have to give yourself permission. And that's where we can share this and share other people that have been in those shoes. But you have to be like, I give myself permission to be freaking great today. And I'm going to start by doing just one action, just one thing. It doesn't have to be a whole lifestyle change in one day. It starts with one thing. That's it. And I think one of the most important things you said, well, a few things, you know me. One, we talk about ready is, ready is a lie. And I say this a lot. And it brings me back to Alan Iverson. I'm a huge AI fan, but he and I disagree on this one principle when he's like, practice. We're talking <laughs> about practice. But ready, being ready comes from the preparation period. Just like any game, like you said. Right? I remember the first game I was announced, I literally had tears in my eye and I was like, oh my God, I'm in this stadium and like I'm going to start. Like that was insane. Right. But as soon as the ball got tipped and it landed in my hands and I put it on the ground, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I've done this a million fucking times. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, that's where it comes from is yes, you have the right to be excited and give yourself permission to be excited. Give yourself permission to be fucking scared. Please be as scared as you want to be, but promise me you will not set yourself short because you're too afraid to act based out of fear. Be scared, do it anyway, right? But if you can prepare yourself enough by practicing the things, right? Showing yourself how mentally strong you are by doing things that you're afraid to do that are hard, by engaging in an activity that you're a little bit nervous to engage in because it's hard. Do that thing because then when you are faced with an opportunity that requires you to have mental fortitude and a standard of excellence within yourself, you can carry that forward because you've proven it to yourself time and time again by doing these little fucking things that seem meaningless, but again, compounded over enough are quite empowering. That's my first point. My second point is you talked about 
failure as coming up short in some pursuit, right? We, we fear not performing to a standard of excellence in something, right? In comparison to other people that are playing in that arena, even if we've never played before. My reframe of that would be failure is not pursuing something and coming up short. Failure is calling yourself out of the game before you've even stepped into the arena. That is for sure going to result in failure because you didn't even try. You didn't even find out where your starting point is, where your upper limit is, what gaps that you need to learn, like what skills you don't have yet. Like you're, you're counting yourself out before you've even stepped in because you fear what if it's not excellent? Well, guess what? This is where you need to accept that you are a human who only has so many things that you can excel at. And if this is new to you, you're probably going to suck. Okay. I went and played paddle. Okay. I've never played fucking paddle before. It's not pickleball. It's paddle. I was terrible. I was absolutely terrible as an athlete. I'm like, this is a hard freaking game. There's so many rules and you can't use the wall, but then you can use the wall. And then uh, I don't know. It was very confusing, (laughs) but I still played and I probably played 10 games, right? Usually you play in sets of three and I ended up playing 10 games. So 10 times three, 30 different games. I did not win one of them. Okay. I did not win one of them. I scored a couple points, but I did not win one. Okay. Now, if I was so tied to the idea of failure, I would have played one game. I would have sucked at it and I would have quit. I got better every single game and I played against someone who won a championship. So like, it's not like realistic that I would have fucking beaten them though. I wanted to, but the point is, even if you come up short again, get back up and do it again and see if you get just a little bit better. Like I've told you guys a million times, my rule of 100, I don't get to say I'm good or bad at anything until I've done it a hundred times. Cause once I've done it a hundred times and I can look, well, this is my first time and that's the hundredth time. And I'm definitely better by the hundredth time, though I'm not up to the standard I want to be. You cannot deny your level of improvement. That's two. The third thing is, and this is one of the most powerful quotes that I've ever heard. And I hope this sits with you for a minute. Hell is where you meet the, the person that you could have been. You are the one person that defines your own upper limit, all the things that you're willing to pursue, even if they are hard or uncomfortable, right? You are the person that says, I'm not going to do this. I refuse to engage in that. I'm going to pursue this passion because it has purpose and meaning to me. I'm willing to go through the suffering of the pursuit instead of the suffering of staying as I am because it's comfortable, right? All of these things, you get the power to choose, but I'm telling you, like the worst thing ever would be to look back on your life and be like, I wish I tried that. I wish I said yes to that. I wish I really gave that my best effort instead of half-assing it because I didn't want people to judge me, right? That is where you're going to look back when you're 80 and no one's going to care what you weigh. No one's going to care if you have an oblique line. No one's going to care about any of that shit. But you will care and you will know all of the opportunities you did not take or the risks that you did not allow yourself to, to pursue because you were too fucking cowardly to do it. That is a pain that I never want to experience. Yeah, that quote is definitely terrible. Um, I know we're about to wrap this up, but coming back to the hormoses, there's two things that I remember that stick out definitely about repetition. And when Layla was talking about uh, one of her, and say it was her marketing, uh, maybe it was in marketing or something, that she was told Layla that she was off lit giving presentations. So what Layla did is she made her give a presentation of the, you know, the main presentation every single month. And guess what? By month nine, she was a rock star. Why? Because she knew that she was going to have this thing that caused her anxiety that she wanted to be good at. She was placed into the situation and she decided to work at it and did the reps. So all of a sudden you do it two times. Okay. I learned, you know, you know, how to better command the room, how to better, you know, read from the bullet points, not stand and stare. All of a sudden by, by, by month nine, she is a rock star. Why? Reps. And same with Hormozu. When he was talking about when he first started his gym business, he was 
you know, he's talking to his mentor. He's like, you know, I, I just getting out flyers. I just really haven't, you know, been getting much traction. Like, oh, how many did you hand out? Like, you know, maybe like a hundred. He's like, well, we, we usually do like, you know, five, we do a, a baseline of about 5,000. Yeah, so, I remember this. Up your stuff. So yeah. when it comes to like your rule of a hundred, you can't judge yourself. And so when you were playing paddle or paddle, Paddle, yeah, paddle, paddle. Not, yeah. And is it like in the the glass cage type thing? Like you are. Yeah. And there's rocks? like it's like it's like a tennis. Uh, it's a combination of like tennis and pickleball and paddle. Yeah. But it's like yeah. then you can play with the walls, but you can only play with certain parts of the walls, and it has to hit the mm-hmm. ground first before it hits. I don't know. It was very complicated because there were so many points. I thought I got a point, and I didn't because of the rule. And I was like, are "You sure? Too many you should rules. probably review, mate." Uh, yeah, I was like, play. I was like, I need a game tape review. I need a game <laughs> yeah. tape review on that one. <laughs> but the reason you kept going after that because over time you weren't born a competitor you over time developed that because you went after it you chased it and so when you put in the reps with in the gym with nutrition with training with each and every dribble like all those times that you chased of getting better those are the reps that you put in because you could have easily phoned it in and said man this game is for me let's let's just go play one-on-one simple as that because i know that i'm good at that so i can challenge you there but when you go into a different arena and you start to do something that is unfamiliar like all of a sudden like okay i'm gonna track just my protein. Okay. I'm going to try and do that. Okay. You were doing something that's unfamiliar. You're going to suck at it. And it's okay to acknowledge that, but that's your opportunity to say, I'm going to get better just by learning. I said before, like lessons are only failures until failure, like lessons are only learned until I don't now I don't remember because my brain is fried. Anyways, basically when you're, when your lessons can become failures, but okay. <laughs> basically the only way that you can truly fail is if you do not take the lesson from the pursuit in which you you first experienced to take the wisdom in which you are required to take internally and then project into an improvement of systems or activities or actions it's exactly Um, what i wrote yeah failure is missing (laughs) out on the feedback yeah i would say um yeah, and literally the last thing it was like, you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. So mm. pretty much to wrap everything up, it's it's when you think that you deserve of something, but your identity is not what it is that you are in alignment with, then you're going to attract with what you are in the current moment. And that's usually with all the baggage that you allowed to just stay on your back from the past, instead of unpacking it, being able to compartmentalize and get an understanding of what it is and now i can move on because i don't have to carry it with me i think that was a beautiful beautiful note to end on i got a my calendar's yelling at me i do I have to jump calendar. on a call <laughs> but friends thank you so much for joining us if you liked it let me know if you have other topics you want us to cover next time we will definitely be talking about the brain and i'll try to stay on topic with the brain <laughs> thank you nick i'll talk to you soon peace bye